Good morning. Scripture reading this morning will be from uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 through 28. Hebrews 9, 15 through 28, if you would like to follow along in your scriptures in your Bible this morning. And it says, starting in verse 15, Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves with better, with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment, so Christ, having been often of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And uh, let's... Uh Let's thank Chad for the reading of the Word of God this morning. Thank you, Chad. Praise God. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Yeah, good to see all of you this morning. My name is Pastor Josh. If you're here with us for the first time, welcome. I'm the preaching pastor, lead pastor here at church, and we're very thankful that you're here with us. As we discover uh, Hebrews chapter 9, and this passage of Scripture is just filled with a lot of incredible truth. And as we dig into it, before we do, if you see anybody... Wearing a shirt like mine. Go ahead and just give them a hug and say congratulations. That's all you got to say. They'll fill in the rest, okay? All right. Um, great to have you here. All joking aside, we're excited to be in God's Word together. So let's pray and dig into God's truth. Father, thank you for your incredible love. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you, God, that you know the end from the beginning. Lord, you know all of our steps. You know all of the ways that you are working in our lives right now. Lord, you have us right here at this moment, right on time for your purposes and your glory. So, God, we receive each person here as a gift from your hand. And, Lord, we're excited about Jesus and we're excited that we can just open up the truth together and not just see great things, 
but experience great things through your spirit. Jesus, your blood was shed, and now a new will, a new covenant has been opened up to us in the gospel. And Lord, we're going to rejoice in it this morning and take delight in your truth. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, blood. This sermon's going to be a bloody sermon, okay? And I don't mean that as an English curse word. All right, this is going to be a bloody sermon. Blood is essential and it's involved in everything that we are and everything that we have. Way more than you think, um, blood is involved in our lives. For instance, it it reminds me of a story uh, when I was in ninth grade. I was playing a three-on-three basketball tournament, and uh, there were there was just some time that we had to shoot around, get warmed up. So I'm shooting around with a friend. His name's Chris. And, and we're, I don't even remember if we're playing a game or not. I just remember, like, I, t- I have a ball. I'm going to put it in the hoop, right? I pump fake. Chris goes flying in the air. And then he comes down and he lands, um, I think his elbow or something, lands directly on the bridge of my nose. I saw a great white light. I thought for sure I was going to meet Jesus at that moment. But, but no, I was still alive. And as I came to, I kind of like shook my head a little bit. And I came to, I just saw a pool of blood on the floor. And that pool of blood was coming from my nose, people. Coming from my nose. I couldn't believe it. And it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I put my hand up here. And as I did, like my whole hand was just caked with blood, right? And everybody said, ew, right? So I remember, though, that blood was important. It was an important thing. I started getting lightheaded, and that would be the first of six nose breaks that I would have uh, through high school and college playing sports. And, And I just, you know, blood is a good thing, and it's a good thing to keep in your body. Amen? It's good to keep it in your body. Blood is this miraculous fluid that is inside our bodies, and I don't know if you know this or not, but blood connects your cells together, right? That's exactly what it does. And, and blood helps our cells survive and grow and repair themselves. And Andrew Hodge, if you're interested, Andrew Hodge is a Christian writer, and he has a really great article on how the life of the human being is in the blood of the human being, and, and it's a really good article. We'll send it out later this week. Uh, but if you're interested in that kind of stuff, there's a huge article. It's fascinating stuff about your blood and how cr- creative our God is. So um, we use the term um, blood, sweat, and tears. You ever heard that before? I put my blood, sweat, and tears into this family, into this company, into this church, into this organization, into this team, whatever. We use the term, and it denotes great sacrifice. Because if you have put your blood into something, you have sacrificed greatly for whatever organization we're talking about. Um, Our inheritance comes through blood. Like our practical, physical, material inheritance, it comes through blood. And I'll get to more of that later. Um, Bloodshed in our streets, that burdens us, right? When, when people are shedding blood on the streets, that burdens our society. 
And, and when we, this is why gun, the gun control uh, discussion is such a passionate discussion in our culture, because if you get shot with a bullet, bullets seem to do a, a pretty crazy job of opening up somebody's body, and, and then blood loss begins to happen when bullets go in. And oftentimes the bloodletting that happens is faster than you can recover. And that's why it's such a big deal. Because when you lose your blood, you lose your life, right? Um, babies are carried in blood. Can I get a pregnant mama? Amen. Come on, Living Waters people. We got like 80 people pregnant all the time at this church. You know how it is here, and, and we just produce lots of babies. That's just our spiritual gift and our, you know, our great contribution to Jesus' kingdom. But those babies are carried in blood and delivered in blood, and it's just blood's essential, right? Um, have you ever heard the term blood brothers? Have you ever heard that? As a kid, I would always love cowboy and Indian books. You know, I'd love reading those. And then I, I remember the first book that I read where, where the Indians did this blood brother thing where they wrap their wrists together and they do that. And I'm, as, a, as a kid, I'm like, that is so cool. I'm going to do that someday with somebody. And my mom is just like, you're an idiot, you know. But, but the blood brothers thing, that's where it comes from. The participants in a blood brother covenant, they, they seal their oaths with exchanging blood. Um, Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. The Bible says that the life of a person is found in the blood of years, and science is now catching up with the Bible. Amen? That our life is found in our blood, so that's a big deal. God promised Abraham great blessing in the Old Testament, and he sealed that covenant in Genesis chapter 14 with a blood of an animal. So in our more recent history, Christian martyrs have given their blood for the sake of Jesus and his church. Many of us take for granted this morning that we are here meeting in a free country, meeting in an open gathering where we can study God's word together. We take it for granted. We think it's cheap, right, that we gather here. Our gathering here this morning has been because many men and many women who have gone before us for about 2,000 years have laid their lives down, their blood down on the sacrifice of worship to Jesus so that we can gather this morning and hear God's word. Amen? This is, this is a blood-bought gathering. And if you think, oh, that's nice. That's a long time ago, Pastor. Um, there are more people being martyred for the Christian faith in today, 2020, than there have ever been in the history of the world. Brothers and sisters in Christ are giving their blood right now for us. We better not take this morning for granted, right? So if you look at blood, it, it's, it's related, it's essential, it's involved. And our passage this morning— is all about the blood and death of Jesus Christ. We are going to focus on Jesus' blood. And you can see this in verse 15. In the second half of verse 15, it says, uh, We receive a promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. And if you go over to verse 26, it says in the second half of verse 26, that he, that is Jesus, has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin 
by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus' bloodshed is the center point of this passage in, Matthew, er, in Hebrews chapter 9. Now, I'm going to give you the main idea. Let's give the main idea of the passage here. Let's put it up on the screen. The main idea, what I want you to understand this morning in this passage of Scripture, is that Jesus' bloodshed, his death on the cross, unleashed, unleashed the ability to be forgiven, all right, and this inheritance. There is a myriad of spiritual blessings that Jesus unleashes in the lives of those who put their faith and their trust in the blood of Christ. Okay, so Jesus' bloodshed unleashes the possibility of forgiveness, which any, any of you guys in need of forgiveness this week? Can I get an amen? Come on now. Like Jesus, his, his blood unleashes the ability to be forgiven and a myriad of blessings spiritually, which we will talk about. So this morning, my heart as a pastor is to desire. I want you so much to understand the blood of Jesus. I want you to understand it. I want you to understand it in ways you've never understood it before. I desire this so much. I've never been more excited about blood than I am right now. This is my, this is my highlight moment. Right? And I want you to understand the blood of Jesus for you. So in order to do that, we have to understand a few things. We need to understand death and wills. Uh, we also need to understand the first covenant. And then we also need to understand the second covenant or the new covenant. So let's understand death and wills first. So this is in verses 15 through 17. And now if you mark your Bible, in verse 15 it says, Therefore he is a mediator of a new covenant, okay? And if you're circling stuff in your Bible, mark or circle the word covenant. In verse 16, um, it says, for that where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. Circle the word will, all right? And in verse 17, for a will takes place only at death since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Circle the word will. Now, let's break that word down. Covenant, or will. What are we talking about here? Here's what the word means. It, it literally means testament. It means covenant. It means will. And this testament or this covenant, this will is unconditional and it is unchangeable. So um, you cannot have a will enforced until someone dies. Okay? So someone has to die in order for a will to be carrying force or to be enacted? Uh, what do you mean? Okay, here's what I mean. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. All right, perhaps you have heard her name once or twice in the last 48 hours, yeah? Okay, so, so Ruth Bader Ginsburg, if you don't know, she is the long-standing Supreme Court Justice, and she was 87 years old. She passed away Friday night. And if you pay attention to anything on any kind of news outlet, you have heard about this. Now, since her death on Friday night, all political chaos has broken out. Can I get a chaotic political amen? Right? I mean, every, it's everywhere. Every, what is going to happen now? Because it was her death that gave force and power to the political process of activities and decisions that need to be made. Does that make sense? That you're picking up what I'm putting down here? 
Like it had to be at the moment of her death. It was only then that all of these discussions, all of these, these social media discussions and all these articles being written, it's only then that they have force. Now, as a pastor, here's what I think. I think, this is not a political statement. I think we need to mourn the loss of any human being that passes into eternity. So regardless of where you're at with all that, you need to be thinking through just mortality. It's a great time to pause and say, I am also mortal. And, and you grieve any loss of life. Now in the midst of that, in, con- in contextualizing our text, here's what it means. Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death is a beautiful illustration of Hebrews chapter 9, verses 16 and 17, because a will, verse 17, it takes effect only at death. So now we're going to see all these political discussions and decisions and activities happen because somebody died. And that's the point of a will. It's only enacted and has power when someone dies. Um, Here's another illustration. Just this Wednesday, I was, I had, um, Meetings in Pennsylvania. So I was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the Des Moines, Iowa of the East. That's, that's how I would describe Harrisburg. It's a small town, just like Des Moines is. And I'm sitting there finishing up these missions meetings. And my last meeting, there was a lunch. And I sat down to eat lunch. And then I was going to leave the home office and go to the airport. And so I'm getting, I'm getting done eating lunch. I'm putting my stuff away. And then two people are waving at me across the room. One guy's name is Stephen. Another gal's, her name was Sharon. So Stephen and Sharon are waving me down, and they're like, Josh, can you come over here real quick? And I said, okay, sure. So I go over there, and I said, what's up? And there's this stack of papers like this big on the table, and they said, hey, can you sign these documents for us? We just want to have you sign these things for us. Okay, sure. What, what, what is it? And I get closer. It's the last will and testament of Stephen. The guy sitting at the table, and I'm like, this is your last will and testament, bro. And he's like, yeah, I know. I need you to sign it as a witness. And I'm like, say what? I've never signed a will in my life, right? And so, and I said, do you know I'm preaching on Hebrews 9, 16, and 17 this week? And they had no idea. I've never signed a will in my life. So here I am. I grab a pen, and I start signing this will. I signed six different forms with my name and address and stuff and my phone number, just praying that something bad doesn't happen to me. Can I get an amen? I'm just praying like, I hope this doesn't turn out poorly for me, just being a witness. But I looked at Stephen. I got done. They said, thank you. I said, sure, no problem. I move on. And I thought this, that big stack of papers that I signed and several other parties signed, are absolutely worthless while Stephen is alive. It will take Stephen's death to give force and power to the will that I just signed. And I think that's exactly what God is trying to communicate in Hebrews 9. He is saying, look, all of my promises, all of my covenants that I make with humanity, all of them are dependent upon the death of some animal or some person to have force and to have activity. So God requires bloodshed, and he requires death for the force of his promises 
to be activated. So consider the Bible. God made covenants with Adam and Eve. Remember after they sinned, there's an animal that had to die so that they could have clothes. And, and Noah and Moses and Abraham and many other Old Testament men and women were underneath the covenant realities that blood and death had to occur for the promises to find force and activity. So the redemption of souls, the redemption of sins, happens through the costly death of somebody. And you can see it in verse 15. It says, those who receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So a death had to occur in order for that reality to happen. So redemption in your life, how does it occur? Well, someone has to pay for your sins. Can I get an amen? Someone's got to pay for your sins. All of your big sins and your small sins, someone's got to pay for that. Either you have to pay with your own death and your own blood, or someone else has to pay for your redemption. And that's the whole idea. If you are going to understand the blood of Jesus for you, you have to understand death and wills, okay? Secondly, you have to understand the first covenant, and I'm going to fly through this. This might be my fastest point in the history of my preaching here, okay? Verses 18 through 22 is the first covenant, and it's inaugurated by blood. So you see the theme that the author of Hebrews is building. He's saying that the first covenant was inaugurated um, with blood. He says it wasn't even um, different than other places. It wasn't inaugurated without blood, which means that it had blood in it. Now, what's that all about? The first covenant is all about Moses, okay? In fact, verses 19 through 22 are basically quotes from Exodus chapter 22 through 24. And so what is Moses doing in the first covenant? What's he doing in Exodus 22 to 24? Well, he's praying over all the people, and then he is sprinkling blood on everything. I mean, my goodness. You look at what, what Moses is doing. He's running around sprinkling blood and a um, sacrificial animal blood on the book and on the tent and on the vessels of worship. And he's doing this like the priests will do after him because that is the ceremonial forgiveness that the people of God get to have under the first covenant. So if you're a first covenant, Old Testament believer, the way that you get forgiveness of sins is a ceremonial trust in Moses to sprinkle blood over all these things so that your sins can be covered. All right? So you have to understand that the first covenant is really intense in that there's a lot of blood, a lot of animal blood everywhere, and this is the reality of the first covenant. And if you're an Old Testament believer, you're thankful for Moses, you're thankful for the Levites, but you are looking ahead to a Messiah that can take away all the sacrificial system. You are hoping that someday God sends his Messiah who will come and save all of humanity through, through the shedding of his own blood. So that's the first covenant. And finally, if you're going to understand the blood of Jesus, you have to understand death and wills, first covenant, and then the second covenant, which is verses 23 through 28. Understanding the second covenant, the second covenant is also known as the new covenant, and it's all about Jesus' superiority in his blood and in his death. So Jesus's death puts new covenant force or activity 
into the lives of those who believe in him. So, verse 15, therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So what Jesus is doing when he is hanging on that cross and he is shedding his blood is he is redeeming you and me from the transgressions that we committed under the previous covenant. Okay, so he's saving you from your sins, and that is really, really good news. Now, when Jesus dies, he bleeds, and when he bleeds, he purifies heaven. Look at verse 23. It says, but the heavenly things themselves are purified with better sacrifices than these. Now, this is a big deal. Verse 23 is a big deal, and you might be saying like, I don't even get it, pastor. What do you mean it's a big deal? Jesus, when he died, he purified heaven for you and me. And it's a big controversy in theological land, right? 16 different commentators all say 16 different things about this passage. What does it mean that Jesus purified heaven? All right, now I'm going to save you a whole bunch of theological reading. Can I get an amen? Yeah, I'm saving you reading right now. All right, out of all those different options for what it means in verse 23, I believe that it means Jesus, when he cleanses heaven, he cleanses us and purifies us so that when we step into heaven, we are not burnt up by the holiness of God, but we are accepted in God's presence through Christ. That's what I think it means. Now, I got to illustrate that. All right, husbands and wives, I want you to c come with me on, a, on an illustration journey. All right, husbands, just picture yourself on a date with your wife like you always go on, amen? You're always going on dates with your wives, and you're getting ready for what you believe to be a night on the town. You're excited to take your wife out. You're dressed up. You come out of the closet dressed, right? And, and your wife looks at you, and she says, wait a minute. You're not going out like that, are you? And for those of you who have been there and done that, you know exactly what that moment feels like. Because ladies, what are you trying to do? You're trying to be Jesus to your husband. Can I get an amen? You're trying to be Jesus to him because you look at him and you say, nah, uh uh we are not going into society to be seen by others in public with you dressed like that. I got to purify you right now, right? I got to purify you, wife, your husband. Whoa, I almost said wife. And if you guys know Danielle and I, you know which side that goes down, all right? So, wife, you're looking at your husband and you're saying, I got to purify you and make you right before we go out in society to be seen by others. So you begin to redress your husband and you begin to tell him exactly what clothes he's going to wear. And then you can go out purified, ready to have a great night out on the town. Amen? I think that's what Jesus says to us. I think that's what verse 23 is saying. Jesus' blood purifies us because he looks at us as sinners and he says, Josh and Nathan and Chris and Andrew and, you know, all these people that you guys are in the gym. He says, you, you ain't going out like that. You're not coming to my father's house looking like that. You are not going to be wearing that to heaven. 
And Jesus literally, through his blood, he says, hey, take some shampoo, take some soap, go take a shower, and then come and be ready to go into my presence and into the presence of my Father. That's what verse 23 says. Jesus' blood purifies us in such a way that we are ready to go into heaven when we die. Jesus' sacrifice was also once for all. You can see this in verse 26. It says, But he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross, his blood was shed one time. Can I get an amen? Come on. He didn't continually offer himself like the priests. The priests every year, Day of Atonement, had to do it again. Priesthood during the year, you got to get, you have to do certain sacrifices at, at certain times of the year. Over and over again, Jesus puts an end to that and he said, once for all, I'm going to shed my blood and I'm going to put away sin. Now the word put away, if you're taking notes, it means to be rendered powerless. So Jesus pulled all the power out of sin. When he died on the cross, he pulled all the power of sin away from sin. Now, that's good news, right? Because how many of you struggled with sin this week? How many of us struggled in sin this week? And you're like, oh, I wish I could just have the power to get over that sin. And I'm telling you this morning, you can through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Because Christ has rendered sin powerless. He's pulled all the strength out of it. How I like to say it is that Jesus whooped sin. All right, he gave sin a whooping. All right, and that is the reality of what Christ's blood did. It pulled the power of sin out of sin so that we as believers who put our faith in Christ, we can get victory over sin. Now, Jesus' blood not only defeated the power of sin, but also the power of death. Um, verse 27 says, It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that comes the judgment. So the judgment is coming, and we have an appointment with death. And Jesus' blood is the only blood, his death is the only death that sanctifies and gets people ready to be um, facing their death. Now, death is coming for every one of us. So I want you to understand that. Like, you have a date. Uh, Robert Sumner, he said this in his commentary on Hebrews. He says, each one of us has an appointment with death that cannot be changed, it cannot be delayed, and it cannot be ignored. No one has ever discovered a way to outsmart death. It is certain. And the great church um, father, Augustine, he said this, the day of death is, a, is kept secret so that every day may be watched. And here's what he means by that. You don't know the day of your death, but God does. And because you don't know the day of your death, you watch, right? Could it be today? Hey, it could be today. We don't know. We have no idea when the day or the appointment of our death is coming. And, and some of you, like, you've been ignoring and, you know, moving past appointments. Maybe even this week you've been doing that, right? You've been trying to reschedule appointments. You've been trying to avoid certain emails, certain phone calls, certain text messages, Okay. Some of you have been trying to avoid appointments. Some of you here, you see pastors calling, you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, I ain't answering that one, right? Some of you see, like, your spouse is calling, and it's, ah, I'm not going to answer that right now. Some of you see your boss is calling, 
or texting you, and you're like, no, not, that's not happening. Some of you, it's your mother-in-law. Can I get an amen? <laughs> you're trying to avoid appointments, and right now you're really successful at avoiding different appointments in your life. And let me tell you about one appointment you are not going to avoid, and that is the day you die. You can't avoid it. What's going, to, what's going to win the day on the day that you pass out of this life and you pass into eternity? I'm telling you right now, it is the blood of Jesus Christ. It is the blood that you put your faith in that will allow you to be victorious over death. Death is called the last great enemy of man. And the only deliverance that we're going to get from that day is the blood of of Christ. So Jesus' um, blood and death, um, not only do they unleash forgiveness and they unleash this victory over death, but it also gives us the promised eternal inheritance. And this is where we're going to finish the message this morning. So Jesus, in verse 15, is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. So when Christ shed his blood on the cross, he purchased for all who have faith an eternal inheritance. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's got two different angles to it, or two different layers. One is spiritual blessing in this life. When Christ died on the cross, his blood purchased for you spiritual blessing. Okay, can I get an amen? Right? So here are the things. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. 1 Peter chapter 1. We have everything we need to, um, for life and godliness. We have been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. The moment you put your faith in Jesus' blood, that blood delivers to you salvation, and that salvation comes packed with spiritual blessing. Pastor, what are you talking about? What kind of spiritual blessing, man? New life. The Holy Spirit inside of you. How about this? Love, joy, peace, patience. Y'all hear me? Patience. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law, and that is the fruit of the Spirit. I look at my own life and I say, what has the blood of Jesus done in my life? Well, I was saved as a 17-year-old kid radical turnaround in my life, 1999. And since then, God has completely flipped, turned upside down my life. Yes, I did just quote Will Smith. That happened. And he flipped my life around in such a way that I see the spiritual riches that I have in Christ, and I'm thankful every day. And I want to just, just list out a few blessings that I've received even this week from the blood of Jesus, my faith in, in the blood of Christ. Last Sunday, I took a, a flight from Des Moines to Chicago, and then Chicago to Harrisburg. And I got on the airplane, and my first flight from Des Moines to Chicago, I sat down um, with a man named Abraham. And Abraham was from Kosovo, and he was Muslim. And I got to share Jesus with a Muslim for over an hour. And at that point, I was like, God, this is so great. I have a captive audience. This is amazing. 
So I got to witness to a Muslim on Sunday. Now, before I knew Jesus, I would never do that. I would never talk to anybody about Jesus or God or anything like that. But because every spiritual blessing is mine in Christ, I have the richness of opportunity to share Jesus with others. And I got to share Christ with a Muslim from Kosovo who lives in West Des Moines. How cool is that? My next flight I get on, I go to sit down, and I, I, I strike up a conversation with a young man, and I find out that he is a Mormon. Yes! Giddy up! You better buckle that seatbelt, bro. You ain't got nowhere to go in an hour and a half with me. This is going to be fun. So I got to share Christ with this young, Mormon young man for an hour and a half. It was so, so good. And at the end of that conversation, I got off the plane, and I'm like, God, thank you for that blessing. That is a blessing. How about this for a blessing? How about Friday night, Justin Einerson and the Lincoln Boys basketball team, like, doing stuff, moving stuff out of our office building like crazy. They did more in two hours than I think— 150 of us could do in a day. Like they were just killing it. And, and the moments that, that we got to see was not so much that we were on TV, but we were on TV. Like Justin signing autographs afterwards. But we were on TV. But that, that, that doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. The, the reality of what matters is that I got to talk to several of those young men about God. I got to start conversations with them about Christ. And I would come out of those nights just thinking, yes, this is awesome. This is, money can't buy this. Money cannot buy what I am experiencing in the riches that I have in Christ. And how about yesterday, a young guy that I, met, I led to Christ, his name's Ryan. And uh, Ryan came to Christ about a year and a half ago or so, and yesterday he was telling me a story about how he's reaching out to a young man on the south side who's really down on his luck, and he's been able to pour Jesus into him, and, and help with some mercy needs and stuff in his life. And he said, Pastor, I had no idea there was so much joy in doing this. And I said, bro, that's the spiritual inheritance we have in Christ Jesus. And I want to just point you guys as not only in this life, but also Revelation 21. It says that when we die, we will spend eternity in heaven. So our inheritance in Christ comes the moment we pass away, believing in the blood of Jesus for us and the death of Christ for us. The moment we pass away, we are in the presence of God, accepted by God for all time in the place of perfection where you have a glorified body for all eternity with fullness of joy and you will see Jesus face to face. Amen? That's a pretty good inheritance for believing in the blood of Christ. So if you're going to understand the blood, you have to put your faith in that blood. And um, Chris, I think we're going to just dismiss again like how we did in first service. So if you guys could all just stand up, we're going to dismiss together. Jesus' blood changes everything. The blood that he shed, the death that he died on the cross, changes everything for you and me. If you're a believer in Christ, you have everything. Everything in him. And I want you to take joy in that. If you've put your faith in Jesus' blood for you, you have everything in the heavenlies in Christ. If you don't know Jesus this morning, 
I just want to tell you from my heart, Jesus loves you so, so much. He loved you enough to shed his blood for you. And all you have to do is put your faith in him. Just put your faith in him. And he'll save you, he'll change your life, and he'll give you eternity. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for your grace this morning. Thank you for your blood, Jesus. The blood that enters us into a new covenant, a new relationship. Lord, everything changes when we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So Lord, I pray for every believer here that you might grip them with the riches that they have in Christ, the inheritance that they have, the new birth that they have, the new hope that they have. Oh God, encourage believers. And Lord, if there's anybody in this gym that does not yet know Jesus, Lord, may this be the day that for the very first time they put their faith in the blood of Christ alone for their salvation. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for coming this morning. We love you guys. You are dismissed. You see me through.